Welcome to She's a 10 times 5. You got it. That's the big 5-0. Listen along as we try to figure out our what's next as we venture into this new age of reinvention. Through relatable topics, real-life stories, and inspiring guests, join us on our journey of growth and laughter. Hey, I'm Lori, former Army Airborne Captain, but don't let that fool you. I'm the loose cannon. And I'm Lisa, a girl's girl who loves sugar, but watch out for that spice. Let's do this. Hi, everybody. Welcome to She's a 10 Times 5. Hi, Lori. Hi, Lisa. How are we? (laughs) I'm just snorting good. You're snorting good. Yeah, we're kind of giggling because prior (laughs) to hitting record, we had a little bit of a giggle fit and Lisa snorts. And so I asked her because you do that quite often. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yeah, you kind of do. I I mean, we have video of it. And I asked her, I said, have you always snorted when you left? And she said, no. Just later in life. Just just friggin' later in life. So there you go. Another thing to add to the midlife milestones. God damn it. It's just, it's just sagging everywhere. Even in the sinuses. Even in the sinuses. Yes. And you kind of, yeah. Oh, well. It's endearing. No, nothing. Don't change anything about you. Okay. Thank you. All right. All right. So what's new? What, anything new going on? Well, we had winter formal. Oh God. Yeah. We had, so our youngest had winter formal and they did it together. And what just amazes me, and I, I don't know if, you know, people listening can relate to this. It's like we're the paparazzi for these things. Oh, the uh, the unappreciated paparazzi. Oh, By yeah. the way, be there and take pictures, but don't be there. Like, don't really be present and, yeah. like, talk to me or anything. Yeah, and, and it turns <laughs> out that we're, we're climbing all over each other. We're, I mean, like, in this situation, there are people climbing on the roofs to get the right angle. Well, it was the footprint of the house. It's this beautiful house, and they thought they could see the ocean from there, which it could if you were in the right spot, but... Yeah, we had like, there what, was, 40 kids? There were 40 kids. So how you can't get it? Yeah, it was awful. And you're right. I am, It was it like it when tricky. other people took photos of my kid, that was fine. But when mm-hmm. I kind of swooped in to take the shot, it was mm-hmm. met with, what the hell are you doing here? Yeah, yeah. I know. It's and it, stressful. It, it is stressful. They just, they all think that their parents are the ones that are going to embarrass them. But everyone else's parents are there and taking pictures. And Well, I do have a track record. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I've kind of earned that badge a little bit, but we digress. Yes, yes, yes. Well, it was it was a beautiful setting, gorgeous home, and so appreciative they opened their home to us. Just not ready for you know all these lasts. I know. Yeah, but you got to think lastly, new first. So there you go. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. I I think we should move on to our topic for today because today is part two of get to know us. Yes, and she's doing that, you can't see, with <laughs> such enthusiastic hand gestures. I love it, Lisa. Oh, sorry. Well, you know, what's kind of cool <sighs> is this, is, you know, p- for the past year or so, we've been doing She's a 10, and we've told all these amazing stories. Yeah. And as our footprint of listenership has gone up and gotten more diverse, I think a lot of people have been asking us questions about us. Yes, they have. And so we have obliged. We gave my story last week or so. I loved your story. Thank you. A lot of people loved us. Thank you. I appreciate that. And so this week we get to do your story. And oh, Oh, it's a good one. It's no, it is a good one. And Lori, the thing about you, Lori, and I'm really excited to do this because sometimes I think you are misunderstood 
I think that people see somebody who is full of life, who's had all of these successes, and it's just life of the party. And they don't always know what's behind that and what what your life has led to to create this person. It's not that it just always was perfect. And you have managed some big defining moments in your life that have created the person you are today. And and created the response you have to other people. And I just really, really want people to hear your story and understand you and all the complexities that go into Lori. I'm like a Rubik's Cube. You are a Rubik's Cube. You've got a lot of parts. And yeah. 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 And as we get older, we all know there's a lot of moving parts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Not always in the right direction either. No. Yes. So so today's theme, and we're always going to be on the theme of sisterhood, but today's theme is really about defining moments because you have had a lot of those and I think they really illustrate you. So let's talk about it. All right. Okay. So let's just give everybody the groundwork of where you're from and kind of how little Lori got started. Well, you know, my dad used to call me little Lori Lou Who. Oh. You know why? Because when I was when I was little, my mom gave me a pixie cut. Remember those? Oh, I had one too. Julie Andrews-ish. Yes. yes. I you had, had a pixie yes, cut. Yes, I you did. Were, like you with the long locks had a pixie okay. cut? It was awful. <laughs> I can't even, I, I, I don't even want to visualize it, Oh my God, it's one of my worst pictures of my life. Because your trademark is your beautiful locks. I know. Well, my mom, it was very popular. I look like it was Florence very popular. Henderson. And my, I have so much hair that when it started to grow out, it grew up before it grew down. <laughs> oh, and God. so it was the worst. Oh yeah. No, yeah. yeah. That well, was awful. That, I'm glad that was a phase for you. Yeah. So I had a little pixie cut and I was blonde and I had big, big blue eyes. So my dad thought I was like, Little Lori Lou Who. Well, no, Cindy, Cindy Lou, Who Lou Who from The Grinch. Mm-hmm. You were. Yeah, I, I can picture that. Yeah, yeah. So I was raised, my whole upbringing was in Tustin, California. So I'm a SoCal girl through and through. Yes. Orange County. Um, I have a half sister who was a lot older than me who I really looked up to. And I had a biological brother who was three years older. And you were the baby. We were the baby. And, you know, back then, you know, it, where we lived, it was like a lower middle class, but very tight. Suburbia. Mm-hmm. Heart of suburbia. Yep. Track homes. And I remember mm-hmm. when we were able to, my parents were able to buy our first home and it was so exciting. It was brand new. Oh. The whole neighborhood was brand new. And that's that's what I grew up with. And all my friends were in that same neighborhood. And, you know, we, God, we played kick the can and mm-hmm. hide and seek or what? No. Ditch them? What, what did we do? Mm, hide and seek and like yeah chase tag whatever it is when you yeah so i had the same best girlfriends my entire life all the way through high school i love that yeah such a grounding feeling yeah Mm -hmm. but one thing that's uh familiar with both you and i uh, we have had very kind of different backgrounds very different yeah is i too was a latchkey kid Mm -hmm. not ideal like i always wanted my mom to be or you know i guess now dad's to be that room mom or deliver the cupcakes, yeah. but she was a hustler. She had to work very, very hard at what she did. And so it is difficult to grow up where you open the door on your own and you figure it out. And But it also makes you very independent. I think you were really yes. good at illustrating that, that mm-hmm. with it came also other things that made you who you are. 
I agree 100%. Oh, I can just still tell you to this day what day my mom's day off was because it meant so much, you know, so I know what you're talking about. Okay, so let's, let's, your mom worked full time. She worked full time. She was the most consistent breadwinner in our family. Okay. And your dad was in sales? He was in sales. It was very cyclical. When times were good, they were good. When times were bad, they were really bad. I remember one time he was literally, it was during the recession, out of work for a year, almost a year and a half. Mm. And man, balancing that checkbook every month. Remember when our parents did that? Yes. Oh God, it was always very stressful. Oh my God. It's yes. like everyone had to get out of the house because <laughs> my dad was would lose his shit. It was stressful. It was stressful. Yeah. Absolutely. And considering your mom worked at a bank, that she, your dad was the one doing it is interesting to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know. That was, you know, their role. They were the bread. They, even if they weren't the breadwinners, they were in charge of the money a lot yeah. in that day. I, I was very, very close to my dad, but I had some fun moments with my mom. And one of the ones that I had that um, I'll share with you, just like you love to be in the salon. Yes. I used to love to go into work with my mom because she worked at a, a nice bank. And it was back then where people like actually came into the bank and right. you had relationships and she had this big desk and I love to sit in it and fiddle with stuff. And uh, one day I opened a drawer of her desk and there was this little box that looked like a garage door opener. Yes. And so I clicked it several times. Oh, gosh. And then all of a sudden the phone rang and I overheard one of the tellers describing exactly what my mom was wearing because she was the manager that day. And little did I know I had alerted the police department that we were being robbed. Oh, God. No, that's a true fucking no, story right I there. It. And of course, like my mom comes up to me, she goes, you didn't push that button, did you? And I said, yeah, I did. Oh, and I, no. I thought she was going to kill me and whatever. So she went outside. Literally, the whole bank was surrounded by a SWAT team. I'm, I'm not even kidding you with like rifles on top of cars. And my, she came oh. out with her arms up and I never went back. <laughs> imagine <laughs> she was cool about it but i i did that was my signal that you know Aww. go to work with mom just it wasn't gonna happen again Aww. what was your relationship like with your mom was what was your like what did you love about her what are your memories she had a great laugh and i do remember her laughing she loved her friends but i have to be honest lisa i I was not close with my mom in that way. Mm. I don't, I, my mom's now passed away, but I do not remember us having a conversation ever. Mm. Do you think that was partly due to the times? Kind of like. Maybe. And she was busy and she was very close to my older half sister. Mm -hmm. And my brother was kind of a parent's nightmare. So Mm -hmm. a lot of energy went into him and I think I was the kid that looked at everything going on around and said, I got to I got to get out of this and I got to do stuff. So I was the always the one that tried really hard, did the right things. Yeah, you made it easy. Try to them. find success mm-hmm. instead of problems. Yeah. But I do remember one time with my mom, she had she was had an abscessed tooth and whatever. She, we made her really sick and I idolized Steve Garvey. Oh, and he was somewhere local taking pictures and autographs with kids. And my mom, I waited in line. My mom was so sick. She stayed in the car so I could get a picture of Steve Garvey. Oh, so I remember stuff like that. Yeah. But we weren't very close. And I think most of it was because time and I was very independent. Right. Right. Yeah. You saw that that was your role to just kind of not be trouble. Yeah. All right. Let's talk a little bit about your mom, because this is probably your first big defining moment in your life. And yes, I think this is one that 
you still have running through you to this day. And let's let's talk about your mom. So I think what you're getting at is so my mom got really ill, I think when I was it was middle of sixth grade. And to see a woman that's very, very strong get ill, you know, it's hard for any kid. Right. And they couldn't identify what was going on with her. So, you know, back then she had colon cancer, but Mm -hmm. back then no one had cancer. Like it was kind of not a thing. Right. Or they just didn't discover it like they do now. I mean, now you get a bad cough or like how many times you go, oh my God, I I don't have cancer. I mean, it's like everyone, it's like so prevalent now. So they had misdiagnosed it for probably two years. I think maybe even more so Uh, Mm -hmm. by the time I started my freshman year, they had an inkling of what it was, but it was too far gone. Right. So it was really now managing her illness. Right. There was not, it was not curable at that point. It was not, yeah, it was not curable. It was terminal. Well, let me stop you there. So your parents find out this news. Do they share that with you? Are you aware at that point in your learning life that this is not going to get better? Well, I knew my mom was really ill and cause she started to lose a lot of weight and you know, I was a very, very busy kid. I was a, you know, by the time I was in high school, I was a three-sport athlete. I was mm-hmm. in student body. I was that kind of girl. Mm-hmm. Very good student. So I wasn't home a lot, but I, you know, you know, but no, my dad was a very, very poor communicator. And I think he was a little bit in denial. I knew it was cancer, but again, no one understood what cancer was. Back right, then. right. Yeah. When she started to get really ill, I think it was very, very hard for me to understand what my role in the house was. Because my sister and brother were long gone. Oh, they were. They weren't in the house anymore. My sister had moved out. My brother had fleed the scene when he was, he didn't even, he took a GED and and, then left. Right. So it was just my dad and I, and my dad, again, not a good communicator. So I knew my mom was ill, but so kind of my reaction was just keep doing what I'm doing. Right, right. Yeah. And it never had didn't really occur to you that it was terminally ill, probably. In honesty, I I knew she was not going to make it. Okay. It was just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. You know, I I remember one time she so the, here's the hard part is back then I I don't even know what insurance or how things worked or disability or whatever, but she continued to work. Because she had to. And I had a lot of anger with my dad because I remember my dad saying, you have to work. So what she did is she left her bank job. She went into insurance because it sales because it allowed flexibility. Sure. And I do remember her being really, really weak from being sick because, you know, she couldn't hold anything in her stomach after Mm -hmm. a while. She had two house calls because back then you went to people's houses. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yes, you did. Yeah. I remember that. And now. I remember she was so sick. And I said, Mom, I'm coming with you because she could barely hold her head up. And I remember going into this couple's house and they were expecting a baby and their eyes were as big as saucers because they could tell how ill she was. And I remember I, I it was like my first foray into sales. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at them and I said, and I was, you know, this teeny tiny, you know, 14 year old or whatever I was at the time. And I just said, if my mom says this is the plan. This is the plan. Oh she knows God. her stuff. And so that was kind of a cool moment between us two. But I, that's when I knew like things were kind of unraveling with, right. with, my, with everything. Oh, okay, that breaks my heart. And just the fact that you stepped in for your mom, that's very you to do that. I mean, and that is, ah, that's powerful. Yeah. At such a young age, your instincts to know that you had to do that is 
pretty. Yeah. And to grow up, that makes you grow up very fast, too. It does. And, you know, when my mom got really, really sick, I think the last six months of her life, she was at Hogue Hospital in Newport mm-hmm. Beach in Southern California. And she was on heavy doses of morphine. And I think that's that's when I really withdrew. Mm-hmm. You know, actually a couple things. I was a very prominent runner, very decorated my sophomore year. There wasn't a week I wasn't in the newspapers for something, and which was great. But when your parent is ill, there's also this point where you want to be excited for yourself and enjoy the attention, but you feel guilty as well. Sure. So I struggled with kind of that where I liked you know, I wanted to be happy and I was excited for my future and what it meant for colleges. I was getting all kinds of recruiting letters and which was amazing. And, but I felt the guilt that I shouldn't be happy. And then I started to feel resentment because there came a point where people found out that my mom was really ill. And then I did not want them to feel sorry for me. So the conversations became like, poor Lori, how are you? Yeah. And so I was dealing with all of that. And unfortunately, my dad just, I mean, he loved me something fierce, but he just wasn't equipped with helping me navigate. Right. So when my mom was in the hospital, I, I, I'm going to be honest, I did everything I could to avoid going. I'm sure you did. That, that would make complete sense. I didn't like the smell of the hospital, Mm -hmm. seeing her with her, you know, if you ever see someone on morphine, it's, it's like, it's like them, she was getting eaten from the inside out. It was awful. Mm. Yeah. So it was interesting, Lise, because the last memory I have was my dad said, you really need to go in and see your mom. And I went in and she had gotten really hell bent on me getting a letterman's jacket, which wasn't common for girls, really. I mean, it was common. Yeah. I didn't want it because I thought they were stupid, but for girls. So I, and I got all the patches, like the all league, all count, like all, I got it all decked out for her and I brought it in and, and she loved it and she was looking at it and she got tired and I said, okay, mom, I'm going to go. And as I left, something possessed me to take, like, as I started down the hallway, I took like four steps back and looked in the room Mm -hmm. and she was looking at where I stood and she was crying. That was the last I saw of her. Oh. So, no. Oh, my gosh. That is. And I don't know why I didn't go back in, but I just. It was too hard. Oh. I'm sorry. It's okay. So. Sorry. It's okay. That's, that's powerful. That's uh, heartbreaking, heartbreaking. But silver linings, right? Silver linings, I suppose. What was that silver lining to you? I think in that, you know, after, you know, when she left, I think um, it put me into this mode of go. Okay. And I mean, I, look, I I was a little, I became a little bit of a head case. And I think a lot of, um, it was interesting, so... Coming off my sophomore year was probably my strongest year. And I really wanted to go to Stanford. Stanford coach was recruiting me. And we couldn't, I, I got invited to go to the Junior Olympics in China. And we couldn't afford it. Someone sponsored me, but my dad wouldn't let me go. Mm. 
and which is fine. But then I got a stress fracture. So I think it was that and the stress fracture. And then and then kind of anyone who's an athlete knows. I mean, you have a daughter who's mm-hmm. going to be a D1 athlete. But when you get hurt, boy, they it starts to evaporate, right? Right. Yeah. So anyway, so I think that that was the point where I'm like, okay, I just got to the point where I, I was full force on grades. I, I just got my shit together. Yeah. Yeah, that was absolutely such a huge defining moment. And do you feel like, do you feel like you were satisfied now looking back with that goodbye and wish, do you have any regrets or anything? Oh God, yeah. Everyone always asks me, it's like, you know, my moniker, um, West Point graduate, you know, and I get it. Because back then, not a lot of females and certainly not females like me. I was cl- I was a class clown. I was not a the big kid. personality. And I remember my teachers writing letters of recommendation for me to go. And they're like, we're going to do this because you're a great kid. But this is not where you should go. Right. But it was free. And I was so afraid of debt and whatnot. So when I, I did make the choice to go to West Point, which that could be 20 episode in itself. And, you yeah. know. But it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. It gave you structure. It gave, gave you me structure. foundation. Yes. And a, probably a time when you were feeling so out of control. A little bit. And I think it was for me, my dad really, really financially struggled and he was lonely. I don't think he ever recovered from losing my mom. I remember, yeah, you know, there's this this dynamic that happens where you don't want to be with your parents and they don't, mm-hmm. you know, and they always want you to come. I mean, isn't that how it is with Tatum and Sean? Right, it's right. like you want to be with them through everything. And I remember one day my dad said I was going out on a date and my dad said, he goes, oh, you're going out again. And I'm like, do you want me to stay home? So I had a conversation in that moment. And I said, dad, you need to start going out and seeing people. And um, what was so funny is I was going to the movie theater like two weeks later and he'd had a date and I knew he was going on a date, but it just so happens we were going to the same movie. And I walked up and I'm like, dad, come in line with us. Come sit with us. And he was like, oh my God, no, <laughs> pretend I'm not here. It's a total reversal of like the teenage yes, thing, right? Yes. So, He's like, oh shit, what's she doing here? Yeah, <laughs> fuck. So, but what was great was I think by me going to West Point alleviated a lot of the financial stress because scholarships were hard to come by with women because there was yeah. no Title IX. Right. And I needed, I needed free. And uh, I will never forget, we'd never been in New York. My dad had never been and I had never been. We spent two days in New York before I had to report in. And then when you report in towards the end of the spiel, they say, look at your son or daughter. You won't hear from them for three weeks. And I'll never forget. My dad looked at me and he said, you don't have to do this. Cause I think he felt guilt. Yeah. Cause you know, yeah. you know, back then it's like you're sending your daughter to West Point. Right. Cause it was very male dominated and there weren't a lot of graduating classes before me. And I remember I said, dad, I got this. And then they pulled me in a room and for a week, I cried myself to sleep. What did Aww. I do? Because <laughs> it was tough. It was hard. And I had, you know, thankfully, I had I had a great roommate who we started to kind of laugh at things. And Oh, wow. Yeah. And do you think that uh, your, did your relationship with your dad ever get closer after that? Or did it always kind of stay just... Well, we were... I, he was... I was daddy's girl. We were very close growing up, for mm-hmm. sure. 
because my mom worked on the weekends. Well, she worked yeah. on Saturdays. Yeah. And and then and she, I just remember she, she would be so tired because, you know, back then you were on your feet in those mm-hmm. jobs. Yes. So I, I became very close with my dad. I think going to West Point a little bit, that break, I think he started to kind of go through his own shit. And I started to become increasingly more focused on my own world. Right. I was a runner and, you know, West Point is very rigorous. And, you know, I almost got thrown out my freshman year because I, 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 made, I made stupid mistakes and you get disciplined and I failed math. So I remember a colonel um, going into my sophomore year, pulled us all in. There was a group of us that got in trouble. <laughs> Surprise. And <laughs> Lori got in trouble. And he said, I want you to stay. He pointed to me. I want you to stay after and so I stayed and he goes, do you want to be here? And I looked at him and I was really honest. And I said, I don't know, but I don't want you to kick me out. Mm. And at that moment, I think everything turned for me. Like, shit, wow. I, don't, I don't, yeah, because, you know, I, I really struggled. I mean, hazing was brutal. We, we get woken up at all hours of the night, my roommate and I, and they just did not like women there. And I remember I made a list of, of upperclassmen that um, I was never going to talk to. Did she really? Yeah. And they all became friends. But I had one reach out to me on Facebook probably a year ago and said, I have to tell you, I was so mean to you when you were a freshman. And I have to tell you why I secretly had a crush on you. (laughs) God, I'm like, wow, thanks, Juan. But anyway, I still hate you still in my book. But something happened my Christmas. I came home going into my sophomore year or I, I was in my freshman year and I'd gotten in a fight with my dad because that sometimes happens. Yes. You know, you come home from school and you still think you can do whatever. And, right. and, you know, they're looking at you still as this is the rules of the house. And we got in an argument and he'd been drinking and he dropped a bomb on me and said, this is exactly why your mom didn't leave you a note. <gasps> and I, I, I like, I compl- like time stopped in that moment because I first you know, what, two and a half years had, when my mom had died, I, I searched for something to let myself know that she loved me because we weren't validation. close. Like there has to be something that yeah. I can yeah. see that like, uh, like, yeah. And when he did that, it's like my whole world stopped. And I said, what do you mean? And I, then, you know, you could, uh, his face was like, oh shit, I, j- I shouldn't have said that, but it was too late. And so then I called my my sister and, you know, I'm so trying- he didn't he didn't explain what he meant by that. He left you hanging. Well, th- you know, the next day because uh, I was it was very, very upsetting. And so the next day we had a conversation and I said, Dad, why, why wouldn't she do that? I was I was 15. Like, what do you mean? She left everyone notes but me. And she literally left everyone a note but me. Oh, no. His kind of explanations was because you didn't need one. She didn't think you needed one. And so my first thing was like the guilt. Like, what did I do? What did I not do? And I kind of reflecting back now, no. I think my mom needed me. I think she probably resented that I was so independent and I wasn't at her bedside and I wasn't that person showing emotion. I don't don't know if you recall, and, and probably a lot of listeners recall, terms of endearment. Yes. That scene where the two kids come in. Mm hmm. I was kind of the older kid, like, you know, very cool, very like, just just totally in denial. Didn't want to show vulnerability, didn't want to, but, so I felt a lot of guilt 
and then some anger. Anger, yeah. Like, how, You're how, hurt. Like I was fucking 15 years old. Right. Like, you know, but. Do you think it could have been she just didn't get, like she ran out of strength to do it? Like she was in the process and just. Could be, or didn't know what to say. I, I don't know. She left my dad a note, which I did read after he passed away. And she mentioned me a lot mm-hmm. in the note, but it haunted me for years. Lori, I would say that it still haunts you because if anyone knows Lori well, all you have to do is look at her posts to her family, to her sons, to anyone that matters in her life. And the the words of love and in the messages you leave to people are so profound and big and demonstrative with your love. And I think that moment to me uh, here, maybe I'm just some armchair psychologist, but I think that that scarred you enough to the point where you feel you need to make sure everyone in your life knows that you care and love them. Yeah, I do. 100%. And I, and I tell people that, you know, you asked me a couple things, you know, losing my mom and I got very close to my friends and their moms. Mm-hmm. So this kind of concept of chosen family started to evolve and and sisterhood not knowing it was sisterhood then right but how important they, they they may not be your blood relation but how important your relationships are and and yeah i think that i do take the time every thanksgiving i you know i do yeah. my, my little thanksgiving and people that have really impacted my life for the year i like to i call it the public rec- recognition of love or something like yeah. and I, I do think it's important to take the time to tell people how you feel Yes. And I do think people like it in a public forum because I think, you know, it gives other people that maybe haven't taken the time or maybe aren't that type of personality mm-hmm. to enjoy. Yes, I feel that way about Lisa mm-hmm. or, you know, Susie or whatever. But and the other thing I've done is with my own two boys, every birthday I leave them a note. I love that. Yeah, I wrote my girls a note when they were babies because I was afraid that they wouldn't, you know, if something tragic happened to me, I wanted them to know what I loved about them. And I wrote and put it in their baby books. I should go back and look at that. And um, what my wishes were for each of them. And I think I need to do that again, because even though I we think we communicate, you know, sometimes we don't as much as we we think. And right. so I'm inspired just from the story to to do that. At well, now stage. they're adults. Too. They're adults, and you can tell them all those things. And I, I, but I think it's, I think it's nice. I think you say more when you're writing it too. Yeah, I, and I think you think about. It. I mean, uh, kind of the thing for me too is that I, I know that people appreciate when I do take the time. Mm-hmm. I've stopped posting now. I do do it personally because yeah. I'm in this anti-bullshit mode, but it also makes me kind of step back and reflect yeah. and remind myself why I'm so grateful to have that friendship or that Mm -hmm. person in my life. So Mm -hmm. it's good for me too. That's what I was going to say. I think you get a lot out of it as much as the person who receives it. Yeah. I I agree. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Thank you for sharing that. That, Yeah. You went deep and that's not easy. I mean, because those are emotions that have been there a long time and you probably don't visit them often because it's so painful. So opening up like that. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, okay, so deep breath. Yeah, deep breath. 
All right. Let, do you want to do we want to go into um, the West Point now? Well, we can. I mean, I think that anyone, you know, I mean, again, West Point was a complicated thing. I, the thing that Lisa, you and I have talked about is you kind of grew up in sisterhood. So very early on you were kind of exposed to that camaraderie. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. what's really interesting about my experience with West Point is, you know, 10% women, Mm -hmm. it was really hard. They did not want women there. You would have thought that us female cadets would have locked arms and helped one another. Yeah. It was exactly the opposite. Mm. We were our own worst enemies. I didn't learn it that way. It's like, you know, West Point is very much an eye test. If you, if you can, you know, and I was a good runner, so I could keep mm-hmm. up with the guys. Mm-hmm. If you can physically keep up, if you look good in your uniform and, you know, you, you are, fit the mold, you fit the mold. Yeah. Like, OK, well, she's a female, but she's OK. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and I didn't try to be like other men, which I always tell, you know, now that I mentor cadets that go to military academies, I always say, but, you know, promise me one thing. Don't try to be a man and don't use your femininity in your advantage. If you kind of stay neutral and just be you. Right. The guys kind of relate to it and they become more like your brothers. But but yeah, so it was a difficult time. And again, I I think had I not gone there and gone through all of the, you know, the gauntlet of things, I I really think I wouldn't be who I am today. And who I am today is, you know, I can lose everything, but it's all going to be okay. Like, I'll figure it the fuck out. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think it landed at the perfect time in your life yeah. when you needed it. Yeah. And yeah. I agree. The structure, the everything. Mm -hmm. All right. So, well, and just to back up for a second, what you said about the sisterhood, I I just think that that wasn't a time. Our culture did not allow for women to support women the way they did because it's, we've just evolved so much. Now it's so much more okay and accepted and normalized. Um, We were each other's competition back then. Yeah. And, and it just wasn't possible. Yeah, you're right. A hundred percent. And I, I, God, I don't even think it was till we were in our mid thirties that we started it. Recognize what we were doing to each other. Right. Right. All right. Let's talk about what happened after you left the military and your, your career years and starting a company. And I mean, you, you're a badass girl. Well, thank you. Well, one other thing that happened at West Point that I want to point out. Oh yeah. That is a defining moment, at least, and you'll get this to how I parent is I did, I didn't see my, my family ever when I was at West Point because it was a very expensive flight and, you know, New York, California, but they all came out for graduation. Yeah. And I was so excited. And what happens at West Point graduation is the day before the graduation. And of course, President Bush, you know, senior was going to be there. And so it was my grandma and my aunt and uncle and my dad. And, it's a big know, deal. Yeah. And we do a parade. And at the parade, it's kind of this big thing. And it's, you know, all the parents are there. And it pissed rain Ugh. in the middle of it. Like, you know, I'm talking that New York humid, big droplet, warm rain. And we all got soaked. And at the end of the parade, all the parents go crazy with their kids because, you know, he, you made it. Yeah. And... When I finished the parade, they had gone. They as in your whole family? My whole family. No one was there. They didn't stay for the parade because of the rain? Because of the rain. And it was me and this exchange cadet from Cameroon walking back to our rooms all by ourselves. Because I wasn't going to impede on any of the other family celebrations. Right. 
And how did you feel in that moment? I was so pissed. I was really hurt, hurt. but mad. Mm-hmm. I never, Lisa, felt like my dad and I had the same relationship after that because I felt like, my God, I just went through this. Do you know how many nights in the field on summer exercises that I, I was in the rain and I went through all this and you guys fucking couldn't like get a little wet? Right. It was really, really hard. And so whenever my kids say, mom, why do you have to be there? Mom, why you got to be at everything? I always tell them that story and then they feel really bad. <laughs> but yeah, it defined me because mm. by golly, I never want, wanted my kids or, or for that matter, anyone close to me. I, I knew that I had to show up even when it's not convenient. Yes. Or even when I'm like, oh God, it's pissing rain. I'll, you know, I think it's created this sense of self that you just show up for others. Right. Right. That's a huge lesson. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's that's hard. That's hard. Yeah, mm. life is hard. Life is hard. Yeah. I'm just curious. What was his response to? What, did he understand your pain and how he made you feel? Do you feel like? I think I think a little bit, but I don't think he'll ever. He just you know that was a generation where well shit you know I would be in a state meet and my parents would drop me off for the bus and then they go oh look at that. You were in the state meet. <laughs> like, what? Well, they just didn't go to, you know, know, right? Yeah. So anyway, oh. but but all of this stuff just has made me just the tougher person. And yeah. appreciate. A person that goes on to start businesses, companies, and sell companies and have some amazing career success. So yeah. you want to touch on that a little bit? Yeah. So I, after the military, I had a great, great six years in Germany, and but it was time for me to go. So I took a total left turn pivot. And I started to do high tech. And then I saw it was it was like during the Wild West high tech days, I'm telling you, like all of the really fun, amazing, exciting companies were just coming out. And so I decided to start my own gig. Mm-hmm. And it was really scary because I couldn't pay myself because I had higher employees. So it man, I'm telling you, people that you're in the middle of this, when you have your own company and your name is on the byline. Mm-hmm. They, it is one of the most stressful, mm-hmm. exhilarating, but you can't just leave it at the office. There's always something more you could do. There's always something left to tackle. That to me became kind of who I was as a professional outside the structure of all of the military training I'd had and how to deal with people and how to network, which is, if you know me, you know that if you call me, I will put you in touch with whoever I know that can help you. I learned the importance of connecting people and helping people yes. and not being afraid to ask for help when you need it. You are excellent at that. You 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 offer help always. And if I don't if you don't know somebody, you'll find someone who does. And I, I got a guy. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, the other thing is not being afraid to ask for help. I think so many times we get our egos associated and we don't want to appeal to the help of others. And sometimes just asking, there might be someone on the other end that mm-hmm. is really actually appreciative that you called and wants right. to help you. Yeah. So I think that was the biggest thing is that, you know, the resilience and not being afraid and taking a leap of faith and investing in people and networking. Because if you invest in people more times often than not, they'll mm-hmm. they'll invest back. I agree. Yeah. Yes. All right. So 
a needle pulling thread. <laughs> okay, let's move on to your family and the pandemic, you know, all the rest of the story. Yeah, so so many people ask us, this is where sisterhood comes in. Yes. Because over time, I have really come to, I call them my chosen family, my girlfriends, my my star troopers. And there's a group of us that we'd always been there for one another. We've raised our kids together. We've supported each other. Mm-hmm. So the pandemic, I think, really kind of encapsulated and solidified how important having girlfriends and sisters and sisterhood is. And if you know me, you know that I turned 50 in 2019. It was not a fun birthday. I was not looking for something about it being me half a century. And I didn't want to face that fact. Yeah. And also that, you know, maybe because I'd outlived my parents for a long time. So I just wasn't looking forward to it. So I kind of started a, a, and I was tired of bullshit, like just the, the highlight reels that you see out in social media and other things. So I... I, we started kind of a little thing called the Fireside Chatters, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And it was a group of us women. And then we jumped into the year and then the pandemic hit. And then, you know, what was it? 12 of us on this group yeah, text? Yeah, it was about 12. Mm-hmm. And then we became the Salty Fireside Chatters and then the Salty Manic Fireside Chatters and then the Salty Fireside Manic Chatters that were over it or something of that nature. The name kept morphing. And then it was just the salties. But I'm telling you, um, we were all there for each other. And there were days where someone would put in that group text Mm -hmm. that, hey, I'm having a rough day, Mm -hmm. which hopefully led to a call from somebody. I mean, it it kind of became this virtual oasis for sisterhood. And then flash forward a few months later, we were on a walk and I was with one of the salties and I was like, you know, when we get out of this thing, we got to do something with our lives. This is the front nine, not the back nine. And we need to share stories and we need to do this. And that's what led to yeah. She's a 10. Yes, right? it is. I, I, yeah. I got you out to lunch and mm-hmm. and we did it. And so I think the pandemic and having, you know, I mean, because look, I mean, there were times in my own home where I, I was over it. Yeah. Like we were getting on each other's nerves and whatever and not having those female relationships where I could reach out and I could laugh and vent vent and help them and they could help me. Mm -hmm. I really realized, wow, without that, Mm -hmm. then life is really incomplete and probably hard. Yeah. No, it, it was a, a gift during a very, very difficult time. Right. Yes. Yeah. And I think, you know, we all became a little bit closer. I mean, Mm -hmm. There was a lot of shit going on. I mean, the, and then the election happened and there were times where the salties got really salty. And <laughs> yeah, and then there was some, you know, our views in, and we all have, a, yeah. you know, different perspectives and whatnot. But I think, again, mm-hmm. you know, we demonstrated that we might not all have the same lens or point of views or backgrounds or, or whatever. But the most important thing is we have each other. And we and respect each other. We and, respect each other mm-hmm. no matter what. No matter what. Yeah. yeah. No, that was, it was almost like this little microcosm of hap- like just coping in this world. And if we could have blown it up and let everybody cope that way, I think it would have been really healthy for our... Right. Well, we, God, we had people that wanted to be part of Salties. No. <laughs> we were like, we, we can't, we no. can't. It's, 
Yeah. Let's just keep it easy and we'll keep it easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there you have it. Yeah. So, so I think, Aww. you know, those are kind of the defining moments. Mm-hmm. And Lisa said it best. I think that most people on the outside looking in would assume mm-hmm. that life is always good. I mean, look, I have a great life. You have a great life. Yeah, We've we got do. touch wood, great kids, a lot of love around us, but it sometimes the story to that it takes to get to that point is a lot more difficult than you would see from the outside looking at. I 100% agree with that. Right. And yes, yes, yeah. lots of layers. All right. That I want to move into a couple more questions I have that are just kind of, you know, okay. kind of like you asked me. Do you have any regrets or unfulfilled dreams that time has passed by that you wish you could turn back clock and do? Or do you feel like you nailed yes. most of it? What would that be? I think, well, you know, a lot of me sometimes do I regret not staying in the military. I go through that on occasion. Where could I have gone and could I have impacted the world? Mm-hmm. You know, but then I wouldn't be here today. I sometimes wish that I had taken media training or mm-hmm. acting classes and done a little bit more creative earlier in my life because I think, I don't know. I think you got it. Yeah. And I, I think there's some relationships that I could have handled differently for the past decade. Mm-hmm. You know, that looking back, you know, you wish you'd had, you'd done it differently. And there's always time to regroup. And I have on some situations. But, you know, I think that like with my sister, I think there was a lot of lost time. Mm-hmm. And we're very different. But I think I think I could have helped her more. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, the pandemic did bring us closer. That's good. And communicating because for a while we just didn't. Um, so I think that if, if I could go back and, and regrets, I think it is certain situations handling it differently. And, and, you know, easy to say, because now mm-hmm. I have the rear view mirror, right? To look right. Back. Yeah, sure. Okay. How do you want to be remembered? How do you want your boys, your family, your friends to look back and think of you? I would like. For them to look back, if I if I died tomorrow, I, I think I would have to, my note to that I would put on the side of the wall would be that I left it all out on the field. Mm-hmm. I loved with all I had. I was unafraid to take risks and put myself out there. I had fun mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I laughed a whole hell of a lot. I love it. Ding, ding, ding. You nailed it. Give me Yay. a little applause. Yes. Okay, I I control the button, so. (laughs) Yes, push that button right there. Yeah, yeah, the yellow one. (laughs) That was awesome. No, I completely agree with everything you just said. You nailed it, girl. Yeah, I always say how I'm going to go out of this world is hold my drink and watch this. And that's it. (laughs) You do that now, girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay, I did do a little something. So um, the thing you need to know about Lori, if you don't know her, is, you know, Everyone in her life that matters, she adores and loves fiercely. You love fiercely. You. And probably at the top of that list are your two baby boys. Yes. And I took a minute just to reach out to them and ask them what they loved about their mama. So it was it was very brief because, you know, they are young and they give me a little something. But Connor said, I love how outgoing she is and she's never afraid to make friends. And your sweet Shawnee Bear said, what he loves about you is your ability to make everyone feel at home and never leave anyone out. 
and your big loving heart. Hmm. So that's what your boy said. I'm all choked up. <laughs> you love those babies. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yes. Yes. Of course. Okay. Final question. And then we're going to do a little fun. Yeah. What does she's a 10 mean to you? What does that phrase mean to you? It means that you give the perfect effort and own everything you got with no regrets. And it's never about perfection. It's only about how you embrace yourself. I love it. That gives an applause too. Oh, yay. Okay. okay, Lisa's made me cry, what, three times today? Yes, yeah. I have had my She's Oprah broken Walters me. moment. No, you did. Aww. You did, and we didn't anticipate that. It's a Sunday. No. It's a Sunday. We decided to do this on a Sunday because Lisa had some personal stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we started off the, the recording like in fits of laughter. And, now we're ending in yeah. sentimental moments. All right, let's end, All on, right, a, girl. Let's end on a song, motherfucker. Okay, let's, end on, okay, let's have a little fun first. Okay. Okay. So, uh, you know, Lori always does her lightning round. And I'm like, okay, well, I need to do some lightning round too. I never get the chance. So I, you know, she's a self-proclaimed love girl of the 80s. So I thought we could do this. We could do that. So I just did a mishmash. So I'm going to ask you a couple trivia questions about the 80s. And I'm going to do a little never have I ever. Oh, God. (laughs) Well, we know the answer there. I have. I have. Okay. Okay. All right. Diana, Princess Princess Diana, she wore a black revenge gown and came to the United States mm-hmm. and danced at the White House. John Travolta. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Actress Kelly LeBrock from oh, Weird yeah. Science. Weird Science. She uttered a famous phrase, don't hate me because I'm beautiful. In the late 80s, in an advertisement, which was the product? L'Oreal Cosmetics, Pantene Shampoo, VO5 Conditioner, or Neutrogena Skincare? Well, I don't think Neutrogena was around then. I'm going to go VO5. Oh, no. Pantene. Pantene. Okay. Yeah, with that big Damn hair. It. That's okay. That's okay. Let's move on. First of all, teenage heartthrob. Teenage heartthrob. Back then. Well, how back then? Well, in your teens. Who was your heartthrob? I loved... Bruce Penhall growing up. Who? I don't know why. He was a motorcycle, but he was oh. always in Tiger Beat. Oh. Yeah. What? Okay. Rob Lowe. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, everyone, yeah. you. I know you guys think I'm obsessed with him. Um, no, but. Okay. Yeah. But he was kind of hot back then, for hot. sure. Okay. And today's heartthrob. Oh, you know what I've always said is I, I love me some George Clooney and Matt Damon. Oh. Wow. I feel so like different, I, too. I know. No. Yeah. Here's what I feel like. I feel like they would take you out to a really fantastic restaurant with a great bottle of wine and you could have an amazing conversation and then they would just be really hot to go home to. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay. Okay. Little never have I ever. Okay. I never have I ever stole anything. Stole anything. I have. Is that all you want to say? Yes. Okay. okay, no, I have a really cute story. So, you know, I, as I told you earlier, we were lower middle class and, you know, that was means allowance driven. So you got really resourceful. Well, <laughs> back then we used to, there's this thing with steely caps for your, your bikes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or the inner tube, like, yeah, yeah. You'd have the cap and, on like it. Yeah. steelies. And so I went around to the greater Tustin area and I ripped <gasps> off steelies from cars. Oh, from cars. From cars. Would they fit on tire Back bikes? Back then, yes. 
and I must have had like a couple hundred of them. <laughs> and I used to put them on a towel, like just like in New York, I'd put them on a towel and all the kids would ride their bikes over and they'd pay me for the steelies until one day my mom came home early from work and it was literally one of those scenes where I was trying to roll up the <laughs> towel. <laughs> <laughs> but she was on to me. And so she made me go around and put all of the steelies back on the cars. Oh, that was awful. Okay. So, yes. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. Okay. Never have I ever gone skinny dipping. Oh, come on. I know. That's a stupid one. I shouldn't have. A lot of moving parts. Okay. Never have I ever been on TV. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I've been interviewed for a few things. And yeah, well, yeah, I mean... I, yeah, I've been Oscars. I was on TV. I mean, oh. are you talking about featured? Well, just I, I have guess been, on I TV. have been interviewed for okay. for companies. Yeah. All right. And never have I ever thrown up in public. I have. I have too. Yeah. It's not fun. You know what though? I I, I I'm kind of a delicate vomiter. Oh. <laughs> I'm not a projectiler. It's like a little. Well, no. You know what? Interesting story. I was I was pregnant at the time and I didn't know it. And Masood and I were traveling. And it was in the airport, like parking lot. And I go, I don't feel good. And we we're traveling to go to, to actually look at a house mm-hmm. in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And I, I vomited. And he looked at me and he goes, one, I think you're pregnant. And two, that was the most delicate vomiting I've ever. <laughs> yeah. So. But yeah, all we right. all have. Yeah, yes. I know. I know. Okay, Lori. So, you know, it's time for a song. We always close on song. Yes, And Lori do. always picks the song. And... I got to pick the song. And as different as Lori and I can be, we have so many things in common. And the day that I realized that she grew up listening to the Carpenters, just like I did, and singing it ad nauseum, uh, (laughs) like I knew we were soulmates. We were soul sisters. Yes, soul sisters. And so So we're going to do Carpenters carpenters today to just. All right. I love it. I love it. So this is one of my all time faves. And I believe it's one of your all time faves. Yesterday Once More? Yes. Oh, baby. Okay. Here we go. This is such a great song. It's so good. I love it. It's just. mm. Oh, yeah. Here we go. I was young. I listened to the radio. Waiting for my favorite songs. When they'd play, I'd sing along. It made me smile. Oh, this is a great part. I know. I love this part. Those were such happy times and not so long ago. How I wondered where they'd gone. But they're back again, just like a long lost friend. All the songs I love so well Every sha-la-la-la Every whoa Still shines Woo! I love this. Every shingling-a-ling That they started to sing So fine All right, here we go. Yep, here we go. When they get to the part where he's breaking her heart, it can really make me cry just like before. Good job, Lise. It's yesterday once more. Oh, Lord. 
This was a oh, gosh, thank you. So Great good. song to end on. It, it captured, I think, Everything. the mood of this whole conversation. Yes. Thank you for opening up. You and bet, sharing sweetheart. Such a heartfelt story. And back at you, Mama. Yeah. All right. I love you, girl. I love you too. Have okay. a great week, everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye. Follow us on Instagram at she's a ten times five. Click on the link in our bio to listen. You can also find us on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to hit subscribe. 